Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Okunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and via our free WSBT radio app. A video feed of the show right now available on the Twitch app. Eight minutes after 5 o'clock on this Thursday, February the 9th of 2023, a windy and rainy Thursday in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Hope you're having a terrific day. Thanks for joining me. A full two-hour program tonight. We're on the air from 5 until 7. Then at 7 o'clock, it is the Mike Bray Radio Show. Coming up on the program this evening... A possible candidate, at least we thought, for the Notre Dame offensive coordinator position. Took his name out of the running while talking to the media at Super Bowl 57. Notre Dame men's basketball, same old story coming up short at the end. Irish women's basketball will face the worst team in the ACC tonight at Purcell Pavilion. And the Irish may be without... Again, one of their key forwards. We'll tell you about that coming up in a couple of moments at 5.30. I want to take a look at a mock draft. The NFL draft coming up in April. Four Notre Dame players have been invited to the NFL Combine. One of the four is a first-round pick. And as these mock drafts continue to come out, this player continues to slide back in the first round. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. We've got our Twitter question of the day later on this hour. Also in the 6 o'clock hour, we will spend time talking Notre Dame football recruiting. My normal Tuesday visit with Blue and Gold's Mike Singer shifted to Thursday due to Mike having some travel. So we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer tonight. 
here on WSBT Radio. I want to focus on his thoughts on the job Tommy Reese did as recruiting on the offensive side of the football while he was quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, what the new offensive coordinator will need to do recruiting-wise. So we'll get into some of those type of topics as we move forward with the Fighting Irish offense due to the departure of Tommy Reese to the Alabama Crimson Tide. So Mike coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, right around 6.10. Then we'll get to some ACC basketball bracketology. We have our Sizzler segment also coming up later on in the program. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio as I look out. The windows of our studios, a little windy, a little rainy. I look to my left, and I've got my camera that I can wave at the folks watching on the Twitch app, but also up and to the left of that camera. Got to admit, I have the Golf Channel on, watching some golf out in Phoenix, Arizona. Sunshine, no wind, short sleeve shirts. I mean, what a great week out in Phoenix, Arizona. You have one of the more popular stops on the PGA Tour, the Phoenix Open which features that par three, I think it's number 16, that is now completely surrounded by suites. And that is the hole in which all the fans scream and yell as the players hit their tee shots into that par three. They cheer if they hit a great shot. They boo if they hit a bad shot. Last year we saw hole-in-ones occur on that hole, and beer cans were being thrown all over the course. But it's different. I think different is okay in some circumstances. This is the one hole where it's okay to get rowdy as a golf fan. We are taught to be very proper out on the golf course. You watch, you have the golf clap, you don't scream, you don't yell, you don't yell mashed potatoes or whatever they sometimes yell. But this is the one time you can absolutely lose your mind, and I'm sure it is Well, there might be a couple of beverages along the way that helps with the screaming and the yelling. I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. So I've got a little golf on as we get Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolling for this Thursday on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We begin with our hat trick of opening topics. Hat trick equals three in the game of hockey. Here on Sports Beat, it means opening three topics for the program. And we start with Brian Johnson saying, what you talking about, Willis? The Eagles quarterback coach, Brian Johnson, held a media session at Super Bowl 57 and was asked about the Notre Dame offensive coordinator vacancy. His name was linked to the job via the media. Brian Johnson said, you know what? I have no idea where the reports linking me to Notre Dame came from. And Johnson very clearly stated, I'm not going to Notre Dame. So we are done with Brian Johnson. He was my number one choice of the names at least being kicked around on social media, being reported on. It was a long shot anyway. He's going to be an offensive coordinator in the National Football League. Did an amazing job at Utah and Florida as offensive coordinator. Unless he wants to go back to college, he would have a job. But I think offensive coordinator in the National Football League is not too far away for Brian Johnson. So, Brian, we hardly got to know you. No longer linked 
to the offensive coordinator vacancy at Notre Dame. Last couple of days have been quiet. I get the sense that Tommy Reese was a pretty good leak to several media members because they've been awfully quiet through the offensive coordinator search. Not much information's getting out. So I think Tommy was locked into a couple of media members that maybe was fed information, but it's awfully quiet on the coordinator front for whatever reason. Either that or Marcus Freeman's doing a terrific job of keeping this away from anybody that doesn't need to know the information. So with that being said, let me just speculate. This is an intriguing guy. It was mentioned to me yesterday. All right, let's do a little research. I'm not saying this guy's a candidate. I'm not saying Marcus Freeman has talked to him because I do not know that. This was a name that was brought up to me doing a little research. He goes into the intriguing category. No idea if he'd be interested, but it's Duke offensive coordinator Kevin Johns. Now, again, no one is linking Kevin Johns to Notre Dame. So let's make that clear. This is just a hypothetical, interesting offensive coordinator that if Marcus Freeman was interested in him, I'd give it a thumbs up. So Kevin Johns had a great year last year at Duke. The 2022 Blue Devils won nine games, a bowl game. Just a a fantastic season under former Irish defensive coordinator Mike Elko. Now Johns is 47 years old. And last year with the Dukies, who are known for basketball and lacrosse, not football, they finished 38th nationally in yards per play according to Blue and Gold Illustrated. They found that stat. That was his first year at Duke. The year before, Duke was 102nd in the country in that same category. Now, Johns had the opportunity to work with quarterback Riley Leonard, and the Leonard-Johns combination was terrific last year for Duke. Leonard completed 63% of his throws. He had 20 touchdown passes. He also a versatile quarterback, rushing for 699 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Sam Hartman can outthrow Riley Leonard. And I'm not saying he can run like Riley Leonard, but he can run for more than he did last year at Wake Forest when it seems like they were protecting Hartman from an August injury that cost him the first game of the year. They might have been protecting him by not letting him run as much. So Kevin Johns from Duke, he's an Ohio native. He has been an offensive coordinator or a co-coordinator with a lot of schools. He was at Indiana from 2011 to 2016. Part of the Western Michigan program in 17, Texas Tech at 18, and Memphis 2019 through 21. At Indiana, he worked with Nate Sudfeld. Notre Dame running back coach Dylan McCullough worked with Johns at Indiana. So that's kind of an interesting tidbit. No idea if he's a candidate. No idea if he's interested. This name was brought up to me, and I'll put it in the intriguing category. But again, the last couple of days, not much 
getting out in regard to who Marcus Freeman is talking to, you would imagine he has scheduled in-person visits. Maybe they have started already. If they have, it's been kept very quiet. But we are six days into the offensive coordinator search. Marcus Freeman can take his time right now. Tyler Horkin made a good point yesterday on the program. It's not like Notre Dame is battling five or six other teams for an offensive coordinator. They're on their own island right now. They're looking for an offensive coordinator while everybody else is locked in. Now, as soon as Notre Dame gets one, that might lead to a domino effect. But right now, Notre Dame can kind of take their time and make sure they get absolutely the right individual to lead Sam Hartman and the Irish in 2023 and, of course, beyond that. So let's keep an eye out. Fun name, Duke Offensive Coordinator Kevin Johns. A couple other nuggets. Notre Dame freshman safety Adon Schuler is going to miss spring practice due to a shoulder surgery that took place recently. This was first reported by Irish Sports Daily, confirmed by Blue and Gold. Schuler, four-star out of New Jersey, highly ranked player. We often mention the 2023 on-3 consensus, which takes the top four recruiting services and their rankings, averages them together to come up with one ranking. And on-3 consensus had Schuler as the 293rd best player in the class of 2023. And safety number 25. In August of 2021, Schuler picked the Irish over schools like Maryland, Penn State, and Boston College. So, freshman safety Adon Schuler, he'll miss the start of spring practice, or he'll miss spring practice, I should say, due to shoulder surgery. Again, Notre Dame has not put out anything on Schuler. This was reported by Irish Sports Daily, confirmed by Blue and Gold Illustrated. Also, a former coordinator under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, Chuck Martin, has been at Miami for quite a few years now as their head coach. He's reportedly hiring an Indiana high school football coach. It's being reported that Martin is going to tab Ben Davis head coach Jason Simmons as his new running back coach. Hat trick topic number two. College basketball last night down in Atlanta. Georgia Tech 70 and Notre Dame 68. Notre Dame late in the game did not play their best. And we will never, ever, ever point to one play deciding a game because we could nitpick many things throughout the game. If Notre Dame does this differently or that differently, the outcome of the game could have been different, maybe even drastically different. But when it's the last play of the game, it gets more attention, simply put, because the game was on the line, 68-68 in the closing seconds. Georgia Tech takes a shot to win the game. The shot was no good and Notre Dame failed to box out, leading to a put-back, game-winning rebound goal. A goal, you sound like a hockey announcer, Darren. How about a field goal, and the Irish lose 70-68. Not 
pointing a finger, but Nate Lashevsky, the 6'10", grad student for Notre Dame, left side of the lane, just stood there, two jackets went around him, grabbed the rebound, laid it in, and with that, Georgia Tech halts their nine-game losing streak. They even the season series against Notre Dame at a win apiece. And the Irish lose once again on the road. They still have not won an ACC road game this year. Now, despite that failed box out, Lashevsky had a good night offensively with 16 points. But here we are again. Notre Dame led by six, 60 to 54 with 7.59 to go. At that media timeout, Irish plus six. But kind of the same old story. They couldn't close the deal. They were outscored the rest of the game 16 to 8. It did not help Notre Dame's cause that their most explosive offensive player, freshman guard J.J. Starling, did not start the game, was under the weather, scored only two points on one of five shooting in 12 minutes of action. That is a big loss for this team. That's a guy that can create his own opportunity to score and also set up a teammate. So Starling, limited action, sure did not help Notre Dame's cause. As I mentioned, Leshevsky was 16, Dane Goodwin 14. The freshman, Van Allen Lubin, went into the starting lineup. He had 13, Cormac Ryan 13, Marcus Hammond 10. But it's another loss. The Irish are now 10 and 14, 2 and 11 in the ACC. After the game, Mike Bray, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, was not a part of the post-game media session. Instead, assistant coach Hamlet Tibbs, who had the game scout for this matchup with Georgia Tech, took a couple of questions from the media down in Atlanta following Georgia Tech's 70-68 win over the Fighting Irish. Coach Tibbs, back and forth battle all night long. Just what were your kind of takeaways from tonight's game? Yeah, first, you know, give credit to Coach Passner and his group. Uh, his boys play very hard. And, you know, I know they were hungry for a win. It was a back and forth game, and it was, you know, a replica of the first game we played against them, and it came down to the last possession. We had to get a stop at the end there. In the first game against them, we got a stop. We sent it in overtime. We were able to win in overtime. Um, uh, this time around, we just came up short, couldn't get that that rebound there, and uh, they won the game. A positive out of night, you had been Allen moving back. Uh, he was great from the field. What did you see out of him? No, I thought he was going to be a difference maker for us in this game. Um, with him being available, just with his presence um, on the glass, his defense, you know, his physicality, I thought he was going to have be a difference maker for us. Um, something that we didn't have in the first game when we gave up. 14 offensive rebounds. And thought we did a really good job when he was in the lineup. We had Nate in there with him. He did a good job on the glass. So um, he was really effective tonight. And then the last one for me is just, it was tied at 68 all with two minutes left. What, what did you see from an offensive standpoint that we just couldn't get that that final bucket? I thought we had some pretty good looks. I think uh, you know, C-Mac had a nice drive to the rim there, um, got it up on the backboard. It just didn't go in. And then the next possession, you know, Nate kind of wore his way into the paint and had, I thought he had a pretty decent look at that over a smaller defender. It, it just didn't drop and um, they were able to come down and um, 
scored, scored a game-winning field goal. That is Hamlet Tibbs, Notre Dame assistant coach, had the game scout for that matchup. He took the questions from the media down in Atlanta last night. So for the Fighting Irish, 10-14, and 2-11 and 11 in the league. They host Virginia Tech Saturday at 2 o'clock here on WSBT Radio, pregame at 1.30. The countdown is on, seven games left in the regular season. Then it's off to Greensboro for the ACC tournament. Our third and final hat trick topic of our opening segment, Notre Dame women's basketball looking to, I don't want to say get back on track, but have a good solid performance tonight as they take on the University of Pittsburgh at Purcell Pavilion, 8 o'clock game time. Hear the game on our sister station, live 99.9. Pre-game starts at 7.45. The first of two meetings over the next four games for Notre Dame against Pittsburgh. The Panthers had lost 10 in a row, but they won their most recent game over Virginia. They're now 1-11 in the ACC. Right before that win over Virginia, they played number 9 Duke. Very, very tough in Durham. Pittsburgh only lost by 9, 53-44. For the Irish, they're only 2-2 two and two since Dara Mabry went down with a season-ending knee injury. The most recent game, a stale fourth quarter offensively cost the Irish. They lost to Duke, 57-52. Anthony Anderson from the South Bend Tribune. He is the Notre Dame women's basketball beat reporter for the Tribune. He tweeted out that it appears that Lauren Ebo will miss a four-straight game. She is not a part of the early stretch for the Fighting Irish. She has been dealing with a lower body injury. Now, Ebo, in a second tweet, Anthony says, is out on the court with her teammates but not in uniform. She's out of the walking boot that she'd been wearing on her right foot but still moving a pinch gingerly. I like that. A pinch gingerly. That's a couple of tweets over the last 20 minutes from Notre Dame women's basketball beat reporter for the South Bend Tribune, Anthony Anderson. It looks like Lauren Ebo will miss a fourth consecutive game. A key forward out of the lineup for Neil Ivey's Fighting Irish, who are right now a game out of first place in the ACC. They now trail. The Duke Blue Devils, who are 10-2 and and play at Boston College. Notre Dame and Florida State are 9-3. and The Seminoles are at Miami. Virginia Tech is 9-4. and The latest bracketology from ESPN. Notre Dame, a three-seed in the Bloomington Regional. According to this bracketology, the Irish would open up with the 14-seed, the Terriers from Boston University. That would actually be a good hockey game. Second round, number six, Villanova, or number 11. I must have miswrote that. I have Columbia wrote down. Yeah, that's right. It is Columbia. I'll take that back. I just misspelled it horribly. (laughs) Spell check did not catch it. Sweet 16, Notre Dame would line up with number two, Utah. And then if they would get to the Elite Eight, they might face the number one seed, Indiana. That Indiana ball club. That would be an intriguing Elite Eight matchup with a Final Four. On the line, Indiana ranked number two in the country, and that is their highest ranking in program history. I think they play Iowa tonight. That'll be a terrific women's basketball matchup. Big Ten women's basketball is really, really good this year. That's our opening topics for tonight's program. 
It's already 5.30. We are flying through the first hour of the program. Coming up next, NFL Mock Drafts. One of the more recent has Notre Dame's best player slipping in the first round. We'll get to that storyline in a couple of moments. Again, Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated talks Notre Dame football recruiting in about 40 minutes on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Carrie, thank you very much. Great to hear from you. 535 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the free WSBT radio app. Super Bowl 57 coming up on Sunday. Here are the game right here on WSBT Radio. Eagles and Chiefs pregame from Westwood One starts at 2 o'clock. Opening kickoff at 6.30 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, Ian Book, former Notre Dame quarterback, part of the Philadelphia Eagles organization, Kind of a practice squad guy. He's got a chance to win a Super Bowl championship as a part of that Eagles team that will take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday down in Glendale, Arizona. A couple other guys just missed. A couple of former Irish offensive linemen playing for the San Francisco 49ers, Aaron Banks and Mike McGlinchey. They didn't have a quarterback. They were down to their fourth string in that NFC championship against Philadelphia, but they'll be back. That is an extremely talented football team. So now you've got a new batch of Notre Dame players trying to break through into the National Football League, and four have a bit of an advantage as they have been offered an invitation to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. On the defensive side of the football, we've got edge rusher Isaiah Foskey, and safety, Brandon Joseph. On the offensive side of the football, you've got offensive lineman Jared Patterson, who at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile last week was playing all over the offensive line. Great versatility. That will improve his stock. And, of course, the fourth Notre Dame player invited to the combine is the tight end, Michael Mayer. NFL mock drafts, of course, A lot more to come, but already we've got some pretty good lists being put out by various sources, including Matt Miller, who joined the ESPN family a couple of years ago. He has put out a two-round mock draft, and only one Notre Dame player was taken in the first two rounds. Michael Mayer, the tight end. Not Isaiah Foskey. That might be a tad bit of a surprise to some. Jared Patterson was... A guy considered second, third, fourth round. He didn't show up, and I would not be shocked if Brandon Joseph doesn't go until the middle of the draft. But Michael Mayer, the Irish tight end, arguably the best tight end in the country. Officially, I guess, not the best tight end according to the Mackey Award, but they went a different direction. Following Michael Mayer, I think he is the best tight end in the country because he brings you not only – Terrific route running, great hands. He is elusive as a tight end. He's a mismatch, and he can block in line, which Bowers from Georgia, that's not necessarily his cup of tea. Mayer's the guy. He is the complete tight end. 
in this NFL draft. But as I've talked about a couple of times, you just never know when a tight end is going to go in the first round. Kyle Pitts of Florida went fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons a couple of years ago, and honestly, that has not worked out very well for Atlanta. Now, they've been going through some changes down in Atlanta. That does not help Pitts. They went from Matt Ryan and went through a couple of quarterbacks this year that eh, was okay. Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, wrapped up the year after Mariota started the year at quarterback. So maybe not a fair shot, but you're just not seeing that mm, you saw at Florida. So who knows when a tight end is going to go in the draft. It's all about need. Tight end is not a position that you take normally in the top 10. That's offensive tackles, edge rushers, quarterbacks, really, really special players. Mayer is a special player, but the tight end just isn't that luxury position that a lot of teams want to take that quickly. Pitts was considered a wide receiver at tight end. That's why he went so quickly. Mayer isn't that type of guy. He's not a wide receiver, but you put a linebacker on him, he'll outrun him. You put a safety on him, he'll overpower him. He is a mismatch headache, and that's going to make him even more valuable, added on to his great hands, his route running, and his blocking. This is a complete tight end. But we're just going to have to be patient because it's not a luxury position. Matt Miller from ESPN put out his two-round NFL mock draft, and Michael Mayer slipped all the way down to number 28. Now, this is one person's opinion. The next person might have Mayer going in the top 15. They all listen. They talk to people. They gather information, at least the more prominent mock drafters. They get as much information as they can, even though there's not a lot of honesty that takes place, I don't think, in these conversations. But you get an idea of what's happening and Miller had Michael Mayer going to Cincinnati at number 28. But what I found interesting in this article, Miller offered a comparison for Michael Mayer to a player already in the National Football League that is established. And I think this is an extremely nice compliment to Michael Mayer. The guy he's compared to was the eighth overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft out of the University of Iowa. The Detroit Lions selected T.J. Hawkinson, 6'5", 248 pounds. All right, ballpark comparison there. Hawkinson went to the Lions at number eight overall, and he compared him to Hawkinson because of his route running, his ability to inline block in his hands. If you're a Detroit Lion fan, even though Detroit traded him earlier this year, I think you have a lot of respect For T.J. Hawkinson, after his rookie year, his second year, 2020, 67 catches, six touchdowns, 2021, 61 catches, four touchdowns, and this year with the Minnesota Vikings, he played 10 games with Minnesota. He was targeted 86 times, 60 catches for 519 yards and three touchdowns, a terrific high-end tight end in the NFL, is Hawkinson, now the Vikings. You put Michael Mayer in that category, I think that's something Michael would gladly take as a comparison. Comparison. Now, the Bengals are a football team. 
that has a terrific franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. They may have to break up the offense a little bit. T. Higgins will be leaving his rookie contract after the 23 season, so he is a candidate to be traded during the offseason or at some point next year. You hate to do that, but they've got to pay Jamar Chase. They have to play Joe Burrow. There's a lot of money that has to go different places. Hayden Hurst is the tight end for the Bengals. He is a free agent. So you talk about a team that needs to fill a void at tight end, and they need to add another playmaker to this team because eventually, barring a change of mind, that T. Higgins might be moved to another team where I think he has a chance to become a number one type tight end. Burrow's got two number one wide receivers to throw to in Chase and Higgins. But Michael Mayer could offset the loss of Higgins because you're going to improve your tight end position, even though Hayden Hurst is a good, solid football player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just think Mayer is an upgrade over him once he gets to the National Football League. And you're going to have a better playmaker at tight end to help offset the loss of a terrific player in T. Higgins. So I think Mayer to the Cincinnati Bengals makes total sense. Now, will he last that long? Can't wait to see all the different mock drafts that give all the opinions on Michael Mayer. Now, Isaiah Foskey did not show up in this two-round draft. Personally, this is my opinion. I am not an NFL scout. Just a lover of the game of football, love the NFL. I think we needed to see a little bit more out of Isaiah Foskey this year at Notre Dame to complete his portfolio. Came back this year, became the all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history. I think he still needs to be more explosive, more moves as a pass rusher, needs to be better against the run. So I think there is room for him to get better, go to the right organization, working with him will take him to the next level. I didn't see that big step up this year that we were all hoping for. Didn't have a bad year. It was a solid year. But that much experience in the game, I think I was hoping for a little more. I don't know if you feel the same way. Good solid year, but I don't think it was the type of year he wanted to get him into the first round. In fact, this mock draft, he's not even in the second round. Now, Jared Patterson, his versatility is going to give him an opportunity, I still think, to be a candidate to be taken in the second round, maybe the third round. Brandon Joseph is hard to figure out a safety at Notre Dame. Had a great couple of years at Northwestern, transferred. Wasn't a guy that just wowed you on tape this year. Solid, good addition. But as we talked about through the season, his job was not to replace Kyle Hamilton. You don't replace Kyle Hamilton unless Kyle Hamilton was coming back to Notre Dame. So it's unfair to compare the two because, I mean, you flip on any game with Hamilton, man, he showed up just making plays all over the place. Joseph did not have that impact this year. I'm really curious to see where he starts to show up in these expanded mock drafts. Is he a second-day guy in the NFL draft? All right, 546 at WSBT. It is worth mentioning Justin and Jason Adamiola. They did not get invites to the NFL Combine. If there was anyone that could have had a shot to go that didn't from Notre Dame, I think definitely 
It was the Adamiola Twins, so they'll have to go a different route to get noticed. Their pro day obviously will be huge at the University of Notre Dame. 546 is our time. So, again, Michael Mayer in that mock draft by Matt Miller of ESPN goes 28th to the Cincinnati Bengals, and he compares him to the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day. We talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold's Mike Singer in about 25 minutes on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Pet lovers, mark your calendar for Saturday night, March 11th. Pet Refuge's annual gala and auction, Playing for Keeps, will be held at the Hilton Garden Inn's Gillespie Center in South Bend. This will be Pet Refuge's largest fundraiser of the year. Price is just $50 per person. We hope to see you March 11th. Another way you can help Pet Refuge is to become a volunteer. If you're 18 or older, you can be a foster home, assist during adoption events, or you can help at the shelter. For details, visit PetRefuge.com. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this buds for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Eight minutes in front of six o'clock, Sportsbeat continues. I'm Darren Pritchett. Mike Singer talks Notre Dame football recruiting. And about 50 on WSBT Radio. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Each weekday on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat, I ask our Twitter question of the day. On Wednesday's program, this is the question I offered you. If Notre Dame hires as their new men's basketball coach, Oklahoma, and former Loyola head coach, Porter Moser. Your reaction would be dot, 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 dot. Your four choices. A great hire with an exclamation point. Choice number two, a solid hire. Choice number three, it's okay. And the final choice, disappointing. Fourth place in the voting, we got a little bit of votes going here and there on yesterday's question. Fourth place, it's okay. 17.6% of the vote. Third place in the voting, 
If Porter, Porter Moser is named the new Irish basketball coach, that's just a name thrown out there. Disappointed was in third place at 20.8%. And then we had a tie for the top. Same amount of votes, 31% each for great hire with an exclamation point and also a solid hire. So if you break down the voting, 79.4% thought it was at least an okay hire, if not great. So I would say 79.4% positive with that notion. 20.6% not overly impressed. It'll be really interesting to see who's interested in this job. The roster is going to be broken apart with grad students out of eligibility. Will J.J. Starling, the freshman guard, come back? Next year's recruiting class went from three to one with a couple of people getting their releases. Getting transfers in has been a challenge. So this is going to be a really interesting couple of years for Notre Dame basketball. We might have to be very patient. In fact, I think you should already plan on being patient with the new head coach. And if they turn it around quicker than a couple of years, that's even better. With this, it's not like you've got a roster full of really high-end players waiting on the new coach in a very competitive ACC conference. So thank you so much for voting. Great hire, solid hire, tied for the lead at 31%. Now to today's question, back to the Notre Dame football offensive coordinator search. Today's question, which has been posted at 960 AM Sportsbeat on Twitter. Do any of these current college offensive coordinators seem like a good fit for the same position at Notre Dame? And these names come from the Football Scoop article that has been posted in regard to Notre Dame's coaching search and the sources they have. Here are your four choices. Utah's Andy Ludwig, who has a really good track record. If you want to spend a couple of moments looking up some of these guys, Ludwig has a ton of experience, two decades worth, and he has been a part of that Utah team the last three years that have put up some outstanding offensive numbers. Washington's Ryan Grubb considered for the Alabama job. He turned it down. He is on the list, or at least our list. Colorado's Sean Lewis, the former Kent State head coach, joining Deion Sanders out in Boulder. And the fourth choice, I need better names. So again, do any of these current college offensive coordinators seem like a good fit for the same position at Notre Dame? Utah's Andy Ludwig, Washington's Ryan Grubb, Colorado's Sean Lewis, or I need better names, Darren. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And looking at the early voting, it's kind of a two-horse race right now with the other two falling a little bit behind. We'll see how the vote turns out tomorrow. We'll pass along the results tomorrow. But again, we would love your participation. Leave a comment if you wish. Go to my Twitter account, 960 Sportsbeat. 557, 
A sports update is coming up in a matter of moments. And then we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer, his thoughts on the Tommy Reese era recruiting at Notre Dame, what the next offensive coordinator should expect. We'll talk some Notre Dame recruiting coming up next. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Well, just when you thought it was going to be a boring month or so involving Notre Dame football, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, leaves for Alabama, and now a coaching search underway to fill a seat at Marcus Freeman's table. Great to be back with you on Sportsbeat. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. All right, let's go step by step. Let's go back first. Give me your thoughts through the years, Tommy Reese, the recruiter, and maybe how it changed a little bit under Marcus Freeman. Yeah, lots to unpack here. Um, Reese has always been a good recruiter. I think the question has been, I, you know, going back to his days under Kelly, and I've talked about this a lot, is, you know, when Brian Kelly was the head coach in Notre Dame, and I always said this about him too, he was a very good recruiter when he did it. The problem was he was not like this grinder on the recruiting trail. And I don't care if you're – we're talking about college football or, or working at Home Depot. If your boss is not, um, you know, a grinder in a certain area, that's going to trickle down to his – that his or her staff that they're not going to be grinders in that area too. So when Brian Kelly is not, you know, a dog on the recruiting trail, you know, it's hard for him to demand that to his coaching staff, right? He's not really leading by example, or I guess he is. It's just not the example that um, should be set. But when Marcus Freeman comes on board as Notre Dame head coach, I mean, he is not, you know, he's not going to allow for slacking off on the recruiting trail. So I think you definitely saw an uptick in, um, Reese's work ethic, um, for the lack of a better term, on the recruiting trail, and the proof has been in the pudding, Darren. In the past, what has it been, seven months, eight months? I mean, landing CJ Carr in the 24 class, flipping Kenny Minchie from Pittsburgh, and then going out and getting on three's number one overall transfer um, in, in the offseason, Sam Hartman. I mean, that's does it get much better than that? I mean, it, it, that's a fantastic several months for Reese. So, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a mixed bag for, for Reese these past several years, Darren. I mean, you know, you look at the production and, you know, the numbers aren't great, but then you go, oh, well, I mean, he's kind of doing with what he's got, right? I mean, he's he's built this offense around the talent that Notre Dame has, but then you go to the other side of it. Well, I mean, he's been the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach. It's kind of on him, yeah. or at least part of it, so – Overall, you know, I think Reese did a really good job at Notre Dame, um, but you know, I don't think this is a monumental loss for the Irish Spiny stretch. As fans hear all these different coaches who might be in line for an interview with Marcus Freeman, let me, without getting into a name, let me just give you a, a hypothetical. It's a coach without a great track record as a recruiter, but he's one heck of a play caller and offensive coordinator, maybe even comes from the NFL. Can that be, I guess, 
can you overcome that because Marcus Freeman is so front and center in recruiting nowadays? Darren, I, I think people might disagree with me on this. Okay. I don't think recruiting is that hard. It's about effort and personality. So, I mean, look, Chancey Stuckey is the perfect example of this. I, I, what was it? In 2020 and, and, and a couple years before that, he is in the recruiting office at Clemson, not even as an assistant coach. 2021 is the receivers coach for Baylor. And then this year, he's one of the most pivotal coaches on this Notre Dame staff in terms of recruiting. He doesn't have a ton of experience. Uh, he was, I mean, Notre Dame went from abysmal recruiting class at receiver in 2022 to uh, myself, Tom Lemming, who's a, you know, a, a longtime national recruiting pundit, and on three is Charles Powers, who's the director of scouting and rankings. All three of us agreed the best position group for Notre Dame in 2023 was receiver with Chancey Stuckey. So the scenario you just laid out there, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I mean, you can you can be taught how to recruit, um, and again, it's 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 about effort and personality. If you have those two things, it's it's not rocket science, Darren. It's not that hard to text recruits who would love to talk to you, right? I mean, uh, I am. So yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that scenario, Darren. I'm sure it's a lot like trying to be a politician. You have speechwriters that write everything for you. You just have to deliver it with personality and belief. And I'm sure there's a structure in place that teaches you to talk properly about Notre Dame and hit the strong suit. So it's probably a lot like running for office. And, you know, the quarterback position, you know, assuming that Notre Dame would hire a quarterback's coach slash OC, they already have CJ Carr committed. So, and he looks to be locked in. The only reason I, or the only way I could see Carr leaving Notre Dame is if they absolutely botch the offensive coordinator hire. He is a terrible fit with CJ. I don't think they're going to be hiring Paul Johnson, so it should be okay there. No triple option here, Darren. Um, but, yeah, it's a you're, it's a very attractive offensive coordinator position, Darren, in quarterback. I mean, that, that quarterback room, um, especially for this season with Hartman, you know, it, it, assuming Buckner stays around, you, that's a darn good number two quarterback. Don't sleep on Steve Angeli. I've been hearing really good things about him this offseason. I'm not just saying that as, you know, one of his biggest fans. But seriously, look, I'm hearing really good things from sources on the Notre Dame side of things about Angeli. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Minchie coming in, and then in the future you have C.J. Carr committed. And then the 2025 quarterback, I mean, that's that's so far away that you can really build your board out. So it, it, it's a really attractive spot for a potential coordinator. I'm Darren Pritchett with Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And you've – kind of answer this next question partially, but the new offensive coordinators walking into a great situation. How would you describe the recruiting job in front of him over the next maybe couple of years? I think a big part of it, Darren, is as things currently stand, the rest of the offensive staff is in place. So like when I talk to the Notre Dame commits at running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line, they're all good. They're, they're, they're position coaches around. Did they have good relationships with Reese? Sure, but they're the guy that you know did a huge part recruiting them still around. So the, the offensive coordinator just needs to get along with CJ Carr, build that connection. And again, Feech, who we'll talk about next, he's got a good relationship with all the other coaches on the Notre Dame staff. Uh, I know Chancey Stuckey, um, who played you know quarterback in high school. You know they even have a good connection. Um, so you just 
you know, build a relationship with Carr, hit the ground running in 2025. You have plenty of time for that. It is seriously, you know, I, I might not be the biggest Tony Reese fan, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know, shoot you guys straight. He's leaving the quarterback room in a better place than he found it. Um, you know, not that I covered Notre Dame when he found the quarterback room, but like it's, it's in a really darn good place when you look at the top with Sam Hartman. And at, you know, at the bottom with true freshman Kenny Vinci as an early enrollee, elite eleven finalist, All American Bowl invitee. I mean, it's a really good room. Anytime you lose a coordinator, there's always that fear that the elite recruits are going to start thinking about going somewhere else. And I think you can argue an offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach and a quarterback are attached at the hip. You got Tommy Reese leaving. You've got C.J. Carr, of course. Coming up in this next cycle, he's already committed, and he has been to Notre Dame over and over, Mike. You've documented it. He's almost got a second residence right now here in South Bend. So for all the fans concerned about C.J. Carr leaving this class because Tommy Reese left for Alabama, they probably shouldn't be so concerned because I've heard you talk, Mike, that Carr and Marcus Freeman – have a really strong relationship, and it sure seems like C.J. has bought into everything that Marcus Freeman wants to do here in South Bend. Yeah, Carr's been to Notre Dame 10 times. Wow. Um, so, yeah, uh, and that's just what, I want to say the spring of 21 or so, or or, or maybe a little bit after that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he is, he, you know, Carr, I mean, he's committed to Notre Dame for Notre Dame. And all, so far, it looks like all the offensive commits did. I mean, Darren, this is a reason why Notre Dame starts off so hot in each recruiting show. You get players who commit to Notre Dame because they just fall in love with Notre Dame. They get the tradition. Um, they get the, you know, the history, the, the academics. They buy into Marcus Freeman's vision. Um, so a coach leaves, yeah, it stinks. I'm sure CJ Carr would much rather um, Reese be around, but, I mean, he, he, he picked Notre Dame because – he loves the Fighting Irish. Um, he loves the campus. Again, the tradition, the academics, and he wants to build something special in South Bend. So, um, again, I, you want to hear Carr talk about the next offensive coordinator to you, like feel 1,000% good. For now, it's just like 95% good. Um, you know, he's a huge piece for Notre Dame moving forward. Just get this offensive coordinator in here, build a relationship with Reese, or excuse me, with Carr, and everything should be well. I don't mean to ask this by wanting to create a shot toward Tommy Reese. I want to make that clear, but I need to ask this because just based on Twitter and I, and I follow you and you'll retweet stuff that maybe a player says that's on Notre Dame's list to be recruited or whatever the case may be, but there didn't seem to be any anguish about Reese leaving from current players or even players that are being recruited by Notre Dame right now, was it as quiet as it seemed like? Yeah, I mean, coordinators come and go. Yep. You know, it's the same as position coaches. You know, you just – I mean, you'll have players decommit when, when there's a coaching change, but then it kind of goes back to, well, did he even want to be there in the first place? So, yeah, I mean, the – again, the commits – all look locked in on the offensive side of the ball in 2024. But I think that says more about their love for Notre Dame yep. um, than anything. And, and again, the, the, not a slight, like you said, not a slight towards Reese. 
um, he did a good job in, you know, kind of selling those kids on Notre Dame. So that when he did leave that, you know, they're, they're not looking to, to leave the class. Um, so again, yeah, Reese leaving, it's not ideal. These recruits like them, um, but they're, they're totally bought in on the fighting Irish. Let's spend a second on the defensive side of the football as Notre Dame recently got a commitment from a cornerback named Leonard Moore. What stands out about Moore? At length. I mean, you know, he's, and he's ranked as a, a three-star according to all these websites, Darren. But, you know, when you talk to the analysts, everyone's like, oh, yeah, like he, this is a, a hard recruit to find at the cornerback position when he's about 6'2", 180 pounds with that kind of length. Um, and, you know, he can backpedal as fast as some receivers can run forwards. You know, he, he like, I, I, I see his three-star ranking as, you know, the borderline four-star. He just seems like someone who's going to shoot right up the ranks there. And, I mean, his, um, his length, athleticism, um, just overall football IQ, uh, feel for the game. And a highly academic report that over, over a 5.0 GPA. Uh, which is clearly outstanding. Academics are just as important as football. It's not more in this family as bad as a professor at the University of Texas. So um, really nice pickup for the Irish. Notre Dame really went to length. Like that's kind of a buzzword, like, oh, you want this long player? So like, it's, it's a real thing. Like, just having, you know, longer players, so that long wingspan, just be able to tip that pathway rather than the receiver catching for 40 yards. A pretty big deal. And football the game of inches, and um, you know, just having you know bigger body, bigger, longer arms, you know, just bigger athletes, you know, can, can be the difference. So Notre Dame is pretty excited about Leonard Moore, Darren. He's six two with that speed. Notre Dame and Oregon were hot on his, you know, tail trying to get him to their school, and he's only a three star. So I'm I'm betting he might be a four star sometime down the road when he gets to more camps or more video is seen. Because you're right, that's 6'2", that corner, yeah, man, I love that. If he doesn't stay, or if he doesn't get bumped up to a four-star, it's fine. Yep. It's the same player. It'll be yep. people. Exactly. Like that. All right. You ready for spring football? I mean, I know we got this coordinator thing to go to, but are you kind of getting a little pumped up to see some of these new guys with the, the gold helmet on? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I'll definitely uh, make some practices, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. People ask me, what are the slowest months for your job? And I say, February and July. And uh, just in the past week, you had Leonard Moore commit. You got the Tommy Reese news. Uh, Notre Dame recruiting seems to be in a good place. It's, uh, yeah, never a dull moment for sure. Pretty good time to join the Blue and Gold family, I would think. And I'm biased, but I think so, Darren. <laughs> Head to blueandgold.com, $29.99 for month three access until the start of next football season. We've been doing our best to update on a coaching search, on recruiting updates, uh, previews for next season, all the position breakdowns. The guys do a fantastic job. So, yeah, head over to blueandgold.com. All right, very good. Good to catch up with you. Have a good, safe travel back home, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, sir. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. Dot com. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the way on your home of the Fighting Irish and Super Bowl 57. Sports Radio 960 WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com. 631 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports beat continues on this Thursday evening. 
We have the Mike Bray Radio Show coming up at the top of the hour. The latest with this Fighting Irish basketball team, Notre Dame, trying to just wrap up the regular season with a few more victories. They fell to Georgia Tech last night, 72-68. So the Mike Bray Show coming up at 7 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. In the meantime, we can spend a little time discussing some of the teams from the ACC that will be making an appearance in the NCAA tournament. Joe Lenardi, who does a terrific job with Bracketology on ESPN.com and on the ESPN networks for many years, he has been one of the faces of trying to give all of us an idea what's happening as of right now for the teams that could qualify for the field of 68. And right now, as we take a look at the ACC, Joe Lenardi has seven ACC teams going to the NCAA tournament. Let's go through Joe's brackets and talk a little hoops here on WSBT Radio, a team that Notre Dame played tough down in Raleigh before losing. North Carolina State, the Wolfpack, I think they were picked 10th in the league at the start of the year. They're in fifth place right now, having a really solid season. NC State right now an eight seed in the South Bracket, according to Lenardi. NC State has a, a pretty good net ranking right now of 44 and a respectable quad one record of four wins and five losses. In Lenardi's brackets, he's got NC State taking on one of the mid-major darlings, the nine seed, Florida Atlantic. What do you get? By beating Florida Atlantic if you're NC State? Well, according to Lenardi, the number one overall seed in the tournament, the number one seed in the South, the Purdue Boilermakers. In the West bracket, there is one ACC team, and it is the Miami Hurricanes, as Jim Beheim would tell you, the head coach of Syracuse, the best team money can buy. I think Miami's okay with that, actually. Miami, a sixth seed out of the ACC, playing in the West Bracket, according to Joe Lenardi. Miami has a strong net of 30 and a very good record against quad one teams of six and four. That's a really good backcourt that Coach Larinaga has down at Miami. And according to Lenardi, Hurricanes will get the Boise State Broncos of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Those two teams would be an 11 seed playing in Dayton to get the tournament underway. Down the road for Miami, if this bracket was reality, they might face the three-seed Marquette, a very strong Big East team, in the round of 32. If they're fortunate enough to move on, they might run into the two-seed Texas and ultimately the number one seed in the West, the Arizona Wildcats. ACC Bracketology here on WSBT Radio. Now we move to the Midwest where we have the eighth seed from the ACC, the Pittsburgh Panthers. They were picked near the bottom of the league, and right now they are battling for a conference title. Pittsburgh and Clemson are tied for first place in the ACC, but yet they are way down the seeding line. We'll get to Clemson in a moment, but in the Midwest region, according to Lenardi, Pittsburgh at eight seed, their net ranking is only 52, not a strong non-conference schedule. You can't blame them. They've been down for years. You don't want a strength of schedule that's ridiculous for a team that's trying to get out of a hole. 
But Pittsburgh is 5-2 and two against Quad 1 teams. And in this Lenardi bracketology, Pittsburgh, the 8th seed in the Midwest, would get the 9th seed, the Michigan State Spartans, a team that Notre Dame beat at Purcell Pavilion in the Big Ten ACC Challenge back in December. If Pittsburgh would beat Michigan State, some believe the best team in the field of 68 would be looming. The number one seed out of the SEC would be the Alabama Crimson Tide. Also, Kansas State, the four seed, is in that region. Also in the Midwest, you've got the other team tied for first in the ACC, the Clemson Tigers only an 11 seed. I do not know the answer to my own question. I'm just posing it. I wonder what the lowest seed is for a team from a Power 5 conference that won a regular season title. Power 5 regular season champion, the lowest seed ever picked up in the NCAA tournament. If Clemson wins the ACC outright, I cannot imagine anyone from a Power 5 conference that wins a regular season title would be ranked 11th in the tournament like Clemson. That's just almost unbelievable. But the ACC just isn't as strong as it used to be. The Tigers' net ranking, only 65. That does not help their cause. They are 3-3 three and three against Quad 1 teams, which is respectable. In this hypothetical bracket put out by Joe Lenardi, the 11-seed Clemson would take on the 6-seed from the Big East, the Providence Friars. You win that game, the Tigers, according to Lenardi, would draw Virginia. Now, I'm surprised this would be reality because conference teams aren't supposed to meet until the second weekend, the round of 16. That would be a round of 32 matchup. And it's not like there's not enough room for all the ACC teams not to be matched up. So I think that might have been just a clerical error. But we'll play along. Virginia, the three. Kansas, the two. in the Sweet 16. And maybe Alabama in the Elite Eight. A third team from the Midwest. I just talked about them. The three-seed Virginia. They have a net ranking of 14 they are 4-4 four and four against quad one teams. They draw Princeton in this hypothetical bracket with Clemson or Providence looming, and then maybe Kansas and Alabama. Kansas and Virginia, that would be an intriguing game in the round of 16. All right, ACC Bracketology with the help of Joe Lenardi of ESPN. Two teams from the ACC are in the East region. Familiar foes, including their first ever meeting in the Final Four last year. We'll start with North Carolina. The Heels last year almost missed the tournament. A late surge, which kind of got kicked off by their win at Cameron, beating Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's last home game. They got into the field, they got hot, and made it all the way to the title game where they were ahead. Weren't they up by double digits at one point before losing? Well, Carolina's a nine seed right now. Their net is 45, and they are one and eight against quad one teams. I'm trying to remember right now as I'm talking about Carolina, their most recent game. Who was it against? Wake Forest, I believe. They had a 30-minute closed-door meeting to apparently 
air things out in that locker room because that's an extremely talented team returning key pieces from last year that made the Final Four that are struggling this year. A 30-minute closed-door meeting on February 9th, not a great sign. According to Lenardi, we could have a very interesting Power 5-8-9 matchup. The 9-seed Carolina against the 8-seed Auburn. You win that game, good luck against Kelvin Sampson's team. That plays as good a defense as anybody. Number one, Houston. The four seed in that region is TCU. So TCU and Houston could meet in the Sweet 16. For the folks down in Texas, that would be a heck of a battle. Also in that region, the two-seed Tennessee, the three-seed Baylor. And you look at Duke, the number seven seed in the East, a net of 29, but they are only three and seven against quad one teams. This is not your normal Duke team. I would be shocked if they make a big run. In Lenardi's bracket in the East, the seven-seed Duke taking on the 10-seed West Virginia out of the Big 12, who had a very nice home win over the Iowa State Cyclones last night. Bob Huggins' team struggled in the month of January, trying to bounce back here in February, trying to get back to the NCAA tournament. If Duke would beat West Virginia, number two Tennessee is looming. And how about the way the Volunteers lost last night in Nashville? Vanderbilt knocked off Tennessee, but Tennessee should have won the game. They were up two points in the closing seconds, 10 seconds to go. Tennessee had a breakaway layup. The Volunteer, with the ball, decided to not score the layup, dribbled to the far corner, and got fouled. The problem was Vanderbilt had a bunch of fouls to give, so they fouled and fouled and fouled. Well, Tennessee eventually got to the free throw line, missed the front end of the one-and-one. Vanderbilt got the rebound. They had a player going to the bucket who kicked it to the near side corner, and a three was buried, and Vanderbilt knocked off Tennessee down in Nashville. Again, if that volunteer just lays it in, they're up four with right around 10 seconds left. Ball game over, but he thought trying to eat up more time would be better. Well, it turned out to be a mistake, and Vanderbilt stuns Tennessee in that SEC matchup. Also in the East, you got Houston and Kansas State. That's kind of a fun region. Houston 1, Tennessee 2, Baylor 3, Kansas State 4. So that's a little ACC bracketology. Just looking ahead at what might be ahead of those ACC teams. Of course, for Notre Dame to go to the tournament, they have to win the ACC tournament. 6.42 is our time. Sports Wagering Talk in Sizzler is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 